In this episode, we're having a conversation with colleagues about wellness, self-care, mental health. While our lives have been turned upside down, we still have to focus on taking care of ourselves so we can be of great service to our students and our community. So this is our second week of classes teaching remotely. And I know my body's feeling a little stiff and I've been feeling kind of stressed. So Casey, can we start with you? What, what are you thinking about for just how you're dealing with this particular experience teaching remotely? Yes, Curry, I agree that movement is going to be one of the biggest things that we do during this time at home. So making sure we take time to take breaks, get up from the computer, walk around the house, go outside, do some body movements such as you know squats and lunges, push-ups, sit-ups, anything you can do at your house. Um, I'm, of course, a fan of yoga, so some lunges and even just some things at the desk like you know, just bringing your arms up overhead and releasing them down. You can start to connect your body with your mind by inhaling as you do that, bringing the arms up. And exhale, the arms come down. And inhale, just the shoulders. Exhale them down. And just getting some movement in the neck and shoulders. That's where I'm finding I've been pretty tight. So just kind of being conscious of our posture as well when we're sitting and sitting up tall, maybe you can make a standing desk and, uh, or even sit on an exercise ball. So I found uh, through trial and error, all those things are helpful after having a tight back last week. <laughs> yeah, and we do have a lot of sitting going on now and we do during normal times too, but we probably don't have as much. So what are some of the detrimental health consequences for prolonged sitting? Um, well, sedentary activity is um, kind of one of the worst things for us. It, um, it's related to the leading causes of death, so heart disease, cancer, uh, respiratory disease, and stroke. So the more we can move, the better. And especially right now, we almost have a moral obligation to keep ourselves healthy, mm. keep ourselves out of the hospitals. So whether that's taking a walk in your neighborhood, going for a jog, or maybe watching a video online, and just getting as much exercise as well as just movement. So the movement that we no longer have is just walking around on campus, you know, walking to our cars, all those types of things we used to, to do a lot more, get a lot more steps in throughout our day. So trying to reduce our, our time in sedentary behavior is really going to help our heart. Um, keep our, our muscles strong, and, um, and also improve our mood, too. There's been a lot of studies that show that exercise is one of the best things for our mental health and for reducing anxiety and depression. So the more movement, the better. Even It doesn't have to be 60 minutes. It can be one minute of just getting up and doing some jumping jacks or you know, to anything. I always tell my classes, one minute is better than zero minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Is, there, is there a difference though of like like uh, a discrete portion of the day dedicated to movement when you're not really moving any other parts of the day is it important to be continuously interrupting your time to move or are they the same uh good question it used to be that they thought we needed to do like a big you know section of time to exercise now they're saying just even 10 minutes can be really beneficial so maybe doing what works best for you. Um, I know for me is taking my dog out for a walk in the morning is kind of the best for both of us. And then, then we can concentrate and she's napping while I'm getting my, my Zoom meetings in. <laughs> but if, that, if your morning is more productive, then maybe you do a lunch break exercise or something in the evening. But I think just as long as you're getting it in um, and taking breaks from sitting too. Cool. I know we have a lot of dog owners in here and some people who are um, very dedicated dog owners. I've seen even like Tao and Jeff have resorted to uh, give, doing their own dog grooming, right? And so how, how have you been with your little, um, your little furry pets at home? Maybe Jeff? Yeah, sure. So some of you have met no Baxter. Um, He's a miniature golden doodle, which means very curly matted hair uh, because we typically go to the groomer, you know, once every six weeks or so, which I'm coming to realize how much I appreciate my groomers. <laughs> these days. Um, but yeah, we did a DIY kind of grooming session here at home. When I say we, uh, my wife and I, Debbie, 
and it was it was interesting um you know we he was game for it he kind of laid down as soon as we got the clippers out and we we had at it it was probably a good two-hour session of uh just chopping away mats and grooming him and you know he's he has shorter hair now he doesn't care at all what he looks like um and it's been a it's been a, a fun little experiment for these days, but as soon as this whole thing is over, we're heading right back to our groomer. We're very thankful for those people. Yeah. And Tal, I saw you did the same thing. Yeah. Well, my dog is super chill. He just, everyone who's ever met him says, is he old? So I'm like, <laughs> no, he's still, he's only three or four. They're like, he doesn't move. I'm like, I know he's just lazy. No, he's just super chill. So um, grooming him was really fun. He just, I think the only um, hard part was his paws and right around his eyes. But he was so good. And he looks so good now. (laughs) Even I was like, you're looking scraggly, bro. And um, so I did a little uh, little gif. And it was like, uh, when your haircut makes you look 10 years younger, because he does. He looks, I want to share it with you. Nice. There we go, yeah. <laughs> well done. Very cute. Very cute. So I'm like very proud of myself. <laughs> and uh, like Jeff said, you know, it, it was a couple of hours because um, yeah. you don't want to stress them. You want to kind of take your time. Um, there's a clipping part and then you want to, you know, clip the, the, the numbers. Like I used a six, a three on his under part six on the back you know three on the legs and around the face and then the, the top of the head i didn't want it too short so it was a nine <laughs> just, you know you gotta make it proportional and i watched a youtube video on how to groom so it, it but it was good and and you want to mat them demat them before you do any grooming any clipping so have a i have a um, mat comb so that was like 30 minutes <laughs> and then the grooming and then the cleanup yeah. so, and then the bath that's another yeah see we, we wow. skipped we skipped the mat comb all together and just took shears right to all those mats and uh he he recently also had a pretty intense invasive surgery about uh six weeks ago he had a uh, ear canal removed so half of his head was recently okay. shaved off completely so he is looking like a punk kid from seattle in the 80s right now and you know that's what these times are calling for we can just kind of be our own selves and no one really sees us (laughs) so it's okay yeah 2020 is rough all around huh (laughs) yeah thanks for asking that it was it was a it was a joy it was fun it was a good moment to break away from any other things that might be you know on our to-do list yeah, so we have these distractions and it feels like during this time we're learning a lot and learning a lot about um, how much we move or don't move, learning a lot about how to take care of things that we're, you know, we usually outsource these services. What are, what are some of the things, you know, being at home um, and, and doing a lot of your work from home, what are you learning right now, Rachel? I am learning that I was not made to be a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a mother of three, and I'm listening to the conversations about the dog haircuts and thinking about giving my two sons their haircuts. And I'm not a barber, you know? Um, And it's so funny because (laughs) I gave the little one his cut, and I just shaved it all off, you know? And then the (laughs) other one, and somewhere in the mix of that, I started naming them Corona cuts. So it's like, sit down and get your Corona cut. Like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So this the you know middle child you know he gets up on the chair and the little one is trying to push him off the chair and you know my son turns him and is no Titus it's my turn for a corona cut you already got your corona cut it's like the memories that come out of this moment are going to be priceless you know so I'm like super grateful to have um the privilege to be at home with him 24 seven and trying to remind myself of that 24 seven, you know? So it's like, I'm gonna look forward to getting away when we're all done with this, but just trying to make the most of our time here. So we're doing a lot of art projects, a lot of cooking and baking and trying to figure out how to play Uno and count our numbers and our cards, but really just trying to make sure that they're not stressed out over any of this. And so, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So my, uh, um, over the weekend, my daughter taught me how to use a sewing machine. 
right? And so we started sewing some masks for ourselves. Yeah. We started off with, but we've got so much fabric that we were like, well, we'll just make these things. And uh, apparently, there's there's a need that we can donate them towards. So that's kind of a hobby that we're getting into. Um, but in the course of that, a similar exactly. So Jeff is showing his. <laughs> did you did you sew? Do, do you sew, Jeff? Is that a no, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Um, uh, my, my wife has a sewing machine, which has actually been up in a closet for years. Yeah. And we are both uh, uh, clearly working from home. And as I was doing some work outside in my garden, she decided to start making some masks. So, you know, we had this confrontation with reality uh, just a few days ago where we were running low on our normal food supply and had to go to the grocery store. And we're trying to be as responsible, uh, responsible about that as possible really sheltering in place for the sake of others and ourselves. Yeah. And we had to go. So she made some masks and we were happy to see three quarters of the people who were at the grocery store were wearing masks. Those who were not were looking around, uh, in my interpretation, kind of shocked the suddenness of this change. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, these things are changing really quickly and we're just jumping on this bandwagon as well. And it feels weird to wear a mask and it makes this entire situation we're going through a little more palatable well not palatable a little more tangible a little more real a little more visible yeah. and um it's it's nice to see that people are really rallying to do what they need to do whether that's stuff around the house or making masks donating them um yeah it's it's been a whirlwind yeah, yeah the, the world the world feels different in a lot of ways right i mean just when you're driving outside when you're going to the store when you see people and they're driving with masks on and yeah, so much is different right now. And, and, and it's strange. And this kind of idea of working from home, we, you know, I, I always feel like there was like the fantasy of working at home, right? Like, Oh, I'm going to have all this time and I don't have to get out of my sweatpants. And, you know, it was like a daily goal of mine, like to get into sweatpants by the end of the day. And now it's like, I want to get out of sweatpants and wear some actual, you know, clothes. But like the fantasy versus reality thing is like we, you know, working from home right now is impossible, really. I mean, with my kids home from school and doing homeschooling and everybody's schedules disrupted, like Casey said, we're trying to stay active and trying to move around, trying to get into the outside world. It kind of reminds me of like the fantasy and reality of like teaching online, right? And where people think, oh, I could just kind of do it at my own pace and where, where, when I want to work. And maybe when people take online classes. And it's just not really what you think it's going to be, and especially now, right? Well, this yeah. is – so uh, we were talking before this podcast started. Um, our colleague, Neri, uh, sent out an email with a quote at the bottom. Um, and it's – Jeff, you'll know it because I don't have it handy. Um, but apparently, this is a quote that Jeff uh, uh, heard him on a podcast and shared with me. Jeff, you want to jump in real quick? Yeah, I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but it was something to the effect of, uh, we're not working from home. We're all home during a pandemic trying to work, which <laughs> I think is really helpful to kind of see what, get a glimpse or a perspective on the situation that a lot of us are in. You know, at yeah. my house, it's my wife, myself, and this little guy, my dog. And that makes it relatively easy. I have the hours, I can create boundaries, I can stick to a schedule, I have quiet time. But that's not the world that a lot of us are in. That's not the world that the vast majority of our students are in. And I think, you know, in these times of uncertainty and chaos and such different experiences that people are, are going through, you know, we can't take our own situation and, and export it to everyone else and think that that's that's what everyone else is going through. So I try to be mindful of that when teaching, when engaging with others, that, um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird space. And we're having to make this home situation work in a way that none of us anticipated a month ago. And we're all kind of thrown into our own worlds in these, in these deeper ways that we're trying to figure out. So, you know, there's been a lot of success stories, but there's also a lot of uh, struggling during this time that I've, that I've seen. Yeah, and the struggle is usually silent, right? As it is during normal time. So we don't really know the true impact of things because we're more limited in our view than ever before in some ways. And so that, that's a good segue into talking about our students. Tao, what are some of the things you've been hearing from your students and how have you been responding? Uh, what, is, what has been uh, your communication with them in, in these past few weeks? I first started off early with messages of um, hang in there. We're going to figure this all out please take a break and the college is uh, 
is uh, working on making this a, a smooth transition. And then after spring break, you know, um, posting as much uh, of the resources that we uh, were providing. Um, so all the stuff that Sean, you and Jim Julius did uh, for like, you know, this transition to remote learning, I posted that early and then just um, regularly posting the stuff from the college. And then as the economic impact started coming and the stimulus information and unemployment information, I really tried to do a lot of research to find um, uh, uh, resources that have some clarity and maybe links and things like that. So I wanted them to know that I was thinking about them, not just the schoolwork, but if they lost their jobs or their families and these kind of life uh, resources that I was sharing with them. And then I said, okay, so the school stuff, you know, I, um, I have online classes that are already online that are asynchronous. And then I started my um, in-person class synchronous and uh, the online one that's asynchronous, I adjusted by, I just let go some really big assignments and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I know that that's a lot of uh, work that would have had been done and there's still low stakes stuff that I can do and that they can participate in. And, and that would, you know, be suffice. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been keeping up on the path, no path stuff. And, and so I have some students who are opting for that. The in-person uh, class at Synchronous, the, I, I, I had two students that were, um, that had started using the chat option to participate and they had never spoken up in class before. That's great. <laughs> so it was awesome. And then they, sent me one of them sent me an email said I love this way that we're doing it because I'm I have anxiety and I'm scared to speak them in class but I'm really glad I got to type my answers and that you or type my questions and have you read them out so it's it's um you know it works for some and I think the overall sentiment is students uh, appreciate our flexibility and they also want to feel like they're still doing something that they are in some ways moving forward making progress I, I pulled the, my students and I said, how many of you want to just end the semester and everybody get A's? And they're like, no, we want to, you know, we want to continue. We, want, we don't want to be handed anything. You know, I think this gives them um, purpose and something to move forward through. And, and so that's the feedback that I've been getting. It's, it's all been positive. I'm still trying to replicate some of the things that I've had planned like in the justice studies class we were going to have oceanside police officers come to class um and answer questions but now we're going to do it on zoom so we can still do that and they've been really flexible and so it's cool because we had originally planned that so that they could ask questions about policing and the militarization of police but now they want to ask questions about what are the shelter in place things and who are they ticketing So it's uh, it's gonna be fun. It'll it'll. So I'm, I I think that some flexibility, forgiveness, but also that students do want um, structure, purpose, and and to feel connected. Yeah. And Casey, what have what have you been hearing from your students, or what has that been, communication been like for you? Um. Yeah, I echo a lot of what Tao said, and um, just kind of sharing those resources and, and having some students from the on-campus classes that have now transitioned to online saying, wow, this is actually better than I thought it was going to be. And several students, too, that were um, doing the chat for questions that never spoke up before. So that was kind of neat to see that we're all transitioning. Um, and I just keep reminding them that we are all in this together. You know, we're here to, to help support the students and, and set up them for success still. So one of the things that I've shared is viewing an obstacle as an opportunity for growth um, instead of as a challenge or, you know, that said obstacle. So seeing this as a chance for us to all learn new skills, to, um, you know, be creative, come up with new ideas of how we present and share information. And I think there's going to be some great silver linings from this um, for both students and teachers. Yeah. It's really interesting. We were, we were talking about this a little bit last episode, Sean, how this moment is really emphasizing the process and, and it's, it's causing us to not, not limit the outcomes or ignore the outcomes, but those are no longer the drivers. It's where are we? How are we getting there? What are what are the opportunities for growth, right? 
Um, and I, I hear that uh, uh, resonating right across. And, and this is what I like that, that quote that Neri shared so much because um, I think there's so much pressure at least, that we feel to be excellent at what we're doing, especially as teachers, right? But I think in all situations, um, and this is really an opportunity to just recognize no one can be really badass at any of this stuff right now. Like we're all trying to do things with, with, yeah. with the only the modalities we have access to. Um, and we're realizing some cool things in that process. Um, but I think the more we give ourselves permission, um, the more we're compassionate uh, for ourselves, the better. And I just want to share a really quick story. Um, last week, it was the second time I met my English 202 students. First class meeting was awesome. It's exactly what we're sort of sharing here. It's, uh, folks were talking in the chat, the breakout rooms worked well. Um, the second time I met them was on Wednesday. And somehow between those two days, my computer um, uh, got a virus. And I did some reading later. And apparently there's Zoom tutorials that are presenting a Zoom. And you click on them and you get this like Bitcoin mining software that takes over your computer. So I'm in the meeting on Wednesday with my students and my computer is just slowly seizing up. Like everything I'm trying to do is just stopping. I had to run, get a Chromebook. Um, and I felt I was panicking because I wanted this to be an amazing class. I wanted to offer my students that you know positive experience. Um, I got to the end of it just by whatever I could do. And it was over and I had a couple of students lingering for office hours and one of them was just desperate for help. And I was completely at my limit. Like I had just like, I, I was almost in tears because I thought I'd blown it, like everything was ruined. And I, it was, all I had left was to help him. And, but in that moment, I was realizing like this person doesn't need me to be perfect. That, you know, my student, all they need is to know what is it you're asking me to do? What are the resources that can get me there? And actually both of us could use a little bit more time. So let's, let's come back and talk about this at another, at another point, follow up, right? Um, but I'll tell you what, I was this close to just saying, I, I have I've had enough, like I can't do anymore. I'm totally out. Um, you figure it out, go to the writing right. center, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's definitely a time I think, you know, as teachers, we always think about modeling what we want to see, right, from our students right. and striving to do that at least and being forgiving, being flexible and show them that we're learning a lot in this process, too. And we're learning right alongside them. And so I think about classes that you teach, Rachel, and I know you already teach online. Uh, but what, what is it like with like public speaking? And, and you know, there are probably already a lot of them come into that course um, fearful of that, right? And and now transitioning to online and having to do it in this new modality, how's that been working out? The online classes, I kind of feel a little bit like how in terms of I had one 16-week public speaking class where they were 80% done. So they have one last speech. I'm not going to pressure them into making it like exceptional. I really just want them to get through the learning objective. And so on that one, we pretty much slowed things down so they can work at their own pace because some students were in a little bit of a panic, you know, with everything going on. Then I had an eight-week class, public speaking, start. And so that one was the one I think that it could have been, it could have easily been stressful for me and stressful for them. But me being me, I just turned my whole class into a conversation about COVID-19. Like, yeah. so I already do some really fun online activities where I have them master the minute and they do one daily minute speech that they have to submit. And um, there's no deadline pressure. I just want to encourage them to kind of check in every day and to do one speech every day, one minute. Instagram minute, like make it happen. It could be a vlog. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I give them kind of the method that they have to use. But I turned all my questions into, you know, the question used to be, who was your speaker crush? You know, tell me who's your role model for public speaking. <laughs> now it's your, who's your, you know, Corona, you know, coronavirus commentator crush, you know, like, <laughs> CNN, like, you know, cause for me, I'm loving, like, you know, I'm watching him like he's the president. Like everything that comes out of New York, I'm like addicted to it. I'm watching Anderson Cooper. I want, I want to know who they're watching. You know, I want to know what they're feeling. I want to know what sheltering in is like for them. And so I thematized it for that class and the response so far, because I made new headers and new borders and stuff, this, the response so far has been fabulous. You know, like students are going through a lot right now. And so I'm trying to be very mindful is a good word, but forgiving came out like I'm forgiving myself and I'm forgiving them like we're all going to make it like 
don't worry about it. If you're trying to hang in there, I'm going to hang in there with you. And also, like, don't forget, we're having some fun playing these games over here. So low stakes, but high outcomes. Um, so public speaking, I feel, is going really well. My, I had one face-to-face -face class that now has moved to remote learning. And the blessing about this class is we already, our whole class is about exploring mediums. It's a mass communication class. So we have been exploring these technological, digital communication mediums that I've been teaching them the, the whole semester. So right before we left, they had these brand new Instagram pages that they hadn't yet launched. Well, here we are. I just thematized it again. So we're running a social media campaign on communication, college students, and COVID-19. How have you been impacted? None of us can claim in this particular yeah. moment that our lives have not changed. So this is my check-in. I do a daily challenge every day. They just check in. They answer the poll. They tell me what they're binge watching. This morning, we had Monday mantras. And so they're uploading their Monday mantras. Like, I just want them to have fun and feel like they're still mastering the medium. And so... I think with a little bit of creativity, and also for me, you have seen three or four times already my kids have come in through the door. I want to be able to work in the middle of the night without feeling like I'm bothering them. So mm -hmm. I don't have to be in Canvas releasing grades. I could just be on Instagram, you know, kind of like liking their thing and following it and sharing it and reposting it. And they can log on 24 hours whenever they want to mm -hmm. as well. So I feel like in those ways, I've still been able to meet the learning objectives, but also opened it up so that they can have some fun just playing in their own quarantine kind of experience. So <laughs> a lot of fun so far if you want to follow us on Instagram. Nice. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. We'll and yeah, having the kids in the background and just kind of doing the Zoom thing, there's there's a lot of, I feel like there's a humanizing process, right? Of like, we can show other parts of our lives that maybe um, students didn't uh, realize that we have or didn't think it's kind of like when you see a student outside of campus and they're like oh you exist out here right and and the same thing is when you have your kids or your stuff in the background they're like oh that's how you live and so I'm thinking about human connection right now and in terms of human connection for health Casey right and then human connection in terms of you know uh, Jeff teaches religious studies and 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 thinking about human connection with uh, justice in particular Tao and maybe starting with Jeff, you know, people can't congregate. They can't get together for these, um, you know, ceremonies or just to even be together in community. And w what do you feel like that's doing um, to folks right now? And especially when that is something that people look forward to. I know we've had a conversation and we talked about students who really need to come to class for those social interactions and, and um, you uh, talking to some students that were having a really hard time with that. Yeah, I mean, we are social beings. We are beings who like to be in physical contact with each other. Um, it's part of who we are. And when that's just stripped away, it has profound effects on people, negative effects on people. Um, you know, some of us get that through our religious communities and services. Uh, I think with our student population, especially our younger student population, you know, they're, they're quite adept to working in this online space and creating these forms of connection online. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, the campus itself is a, is a safe haven. It's a refuge for a lot of our students and not just for their support services, but to continue working within a routine, seeing people on a regular basis. And, uh, when that's stripped away, we react, uh, poorly to that. I think in many ways we have to adjust. I'm thinking of one student in particular who, of course I won't name who when I announced the week before spring break that it's possible we shift to online because at that time we had seen like Cal State San Marcos and other schools shifting online. She just broke down in tears um, uh, immediately. And that just showed me, I mean, it's something that I was aware of, of course, but it, it really made me realize in a different way the depth to which people, our students, depend upon the space that we've created and the space that we put so much work into. So, sorry, Baxter, this is one of those working from home situations, I suppose. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, my, you spoke a little bit of anxiety, of course, uh, Sean, and I have shared this openly. I, I suffer from anxiety and I have for many years and I, I take daily medication. I think I've taken daily medication for 10 years. That does not mean that my anxiety just goes away because I'm on medication. You, you see it spike and you see it spike in times like these. So the way I've approached it is uh, connecting with every student individually. So I actually sent out massive surveys to all of my students with some basic information. Uh, 
so that I could connect with each one of them over the phone. And we, I had five minute phone conversations with every student I have. And it was a nice way to kind of remind them that though the distance is there now, we're not seeing each other, I'm here. They now have my phone number, which I was a little hesitant to just kind of throw out there. But um, students need to be able to connect in these other ways because they don't have the conventional methods or, or um, approaches. So that has helped. And, um, you know, many of them have also expressed to me in these conversations, they're dealing with anxiety and they're trying to manage the situation they're in. And, you know, the advice I give to them, which I've shared with others and try to implement as much into my life as well, is practice mindfulness. Mindfulness can come in so many different forms. Really, what it just means is be in the present moment. Um, sometimes that means turning off the TV, even the podcast, though I consume a decent amount of both of those these days. And just realizing that you're here. And a lot of the things that cause stress and increase anxiety is are things that take us out of the present moment. We're stressed about what the future will look like. Um, we're looking back on the past and, and thinking about what we said or what we did and wished it were different. And the more we can kind of create a space where we're in this present moment, um, you'll see that stress and anxiety start to fall away. My form of that, uh, is similar to Casey's approach, I think, is um, it's a Japanese term called Samu, which is a, a form of mindfulness through physical work, through physical movement. And for some, that is yoga. My wife does yoga and Pilates out in the backyard every day with a Zoom group. Um, for me, that's building things around the house, garden beds, um, you know, redoing my garage, putting in lighting. Um, I have a tool belt and I put it on at a certain time and I walk around for hours at a time finding things around the house to do. And that allows me to just be in that moment to, to kind of hear my surroundings and um, engage in what I'm doing. And I think that's important in times like these where we can just get into a, this vicious loop of binging things and, and not getting out of the house and sitting down. Though we have the excuse to do that. You're, you're allowed to indulge. This is part of the process for many people. Yeah. I also think it's quite helpful to put those things down and be in the world because the world's still there. And you can really be healed uh, through your engagement with it. And as I've said before, I'm not a spiritual guy. I do not do typical traditional forms of meditation, but I do implement forms of mindfulness throughout my day. And um, yeah, it's, it's really helped. I, I have felt like uh, I'm finding a balance and I hope that my students in whatever spaces they find themselves in can start to practice that as well or put it into practice. Yeah. That, that was awesome, Jeff. I'll just kind of chime in too um, on the mindfulness is that is so key. And, you know, we're used to doing so many things at once with all these screens. And like what Jeff is saying is just do one thing at a time and be present with it. And right. it might be like just enjoying a cup of tea and doing nothing else but drink that tea. Um, I've been sitting outside and just kind of watching the birds and um, seeing this hummingbird. I now have a hummingbird nest I discovered over the weekend. And awesome. Just kind of a lot of simple things that normally we're racing around and we might not notice. Um, so whatever that is for you, if it's building things, if it's um, doing a puzzle or just, you know, listening to music maybe doing artwork, kind of like, like Jeff is saying, finding what works best for you. For some people, it might be the movement or the exercise. Some might be more on the creative side. Uh, but it's so important and to try to do something every day too, to, to unwind and de-stress and just kind of, you know, turn the news off and, and just focus on that self-care. I, I find that like when doing physical activity, exercising, things like that, I could be more in the moment, be more present, be more mindful. Uh, but I also feel like when it's new, when anything's new, there is, you have the ability to be more mindful and more in the moment. But as those routines, you know, tend to turn into ruts or, or you uh, do the same things over and over, it's easy to let your mind kind of wander, even when, you know, something that once brought you to the present so easily, now you you could be distracted a lot uh quicker and, and easier. So do you have any tips, Casey, about like variety in movement or variety in what people do so they can kind of always come back to that more mindful state? Uh, good question. Sometimes I'll try to just work on my breathing while I'm doing something. 
especially, you know, tasks like doing the dishes or vacuuming is I'll say, okay, I've got um, a 10 count breath right now. And so while I may be doing the vacuuming, I'm inhaling and I'm counting to 10 in my mind and then exhaling and counting to 10. And it just kind of helps me just focus and I'm, I'm, I feel accomplished because I'm getting something done and I'm doing a, a mindful breathing technique <laughs> too. So maybe try that with something that's become monotonous. Um, with cooking, I've set a goal to make new recipes because that's something that's usually, you know, pretty relaxing for me. But then like you're saying, it gets monotonous and you kind of get used to it. So if you're trying to follow a recipe and, you know, use different ingredients that you haven't used, then you're, you're back in that present moment. So those things help. And let's see, what else did I have? I think just, you know, kind of appreciating this time that, you know, sooner or later we'll be back in that fast paced lifestyle and we'll be looking back and saying, oh, wasn't that nice when we just got to stay in our slippers all day long and <laughs> didn't have to leave the house? So I'm kind of thinking that too, is I just appreciate each day and what Rachel was saying too, like 24 seven, being with the family and um, just having that appreciation and that gratitude. Um, I start each day with just kind of listing things in my mind of what I'm grateful for. And, and then I kind of start the day on, on a positive note versus be feeling worried about everything that's going on in the world. And if I catch myself later on feeling stressed, I just come back to those thoughts of gratitude. Thank you. And, and Tao, how have, how, how have your routines maybe changed up a little bit here? And what have you tried to maintain? And maybe what has shifted for you or you had to let go of? I Last year, I moved to, a, I still have my uh, reminders in my planner on my phone calendar. But last year, I moved to a passion planner, which is a going back to the book planner. And uh, it has the area for to do, it has the calendar, it has reminders and yeah, and I, I, I bought some colored pens. So there's one color for workouts, one color for class, one color. That, that's for my birthday gift in a couple of weeks, right? Writing. That passion planner. Yes, your birthday gift. <laughs> yes, you. your passion planner is coming. So it's it's helped me. And it was a moment where I looked at it and I go, oh man, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use this anymore because I don't have anything to do. <laughs> but that was so wrong. Yeah, there's plenty to do. And then I, so I, um. I live alone. So I, I usually, you know, will only cook on the weekend because I don't like cooking for like one little portion. I regularly eat out quite a bit. Um, but now I'm, you know, putting in cook time. So it's just a routine of, you know, lunch and dinner and, and planning. So uh, it's, that really helps me keep a sense of um, routine and schedule. And it helps me sleep well, because I haven't had the urgency to like, Oh, I'll just sleep until whenever. I'm still waking up fairly early, walking, um, pork chop, and going to bed at a decent hour. And so I don't think any of us has talked about sleep. And um, I think that that's a, a crucial, uh, so important thing for health. Um, I've always tried to sleep really well, and I'm very fortunate because I'm a heavy sleeper. Um, and, and so it's the, the keeping routine has helped me, um, maintain my, my sleep pattern. Um, the one thing that I wanted to share about mindfulness and things with our students is that, um, I started off with them being very vulnerable and talking about my fears and sharing that I was scared about certain things. I'm worried about certain things. Um, also acknowledging my privilege in, in, in that, in this, um, situation you know I talked about my parents and my siblings and how they're in health care and my sister had a health scare and couldn't see her kids for 14 days and you know so I was I was very open about that and so I think mindfulness is also acknowledging when we feel pain when we feel scared um and and um taking a moment to say you know what that's okay um, and speaking to Jeff's point about, you know, acknowledging like there are some challenges that we're all going through and, you know, not the, the notion of congregating and touch, you know, physical touch and what some people are missing out on and what some of us are, are, are privileged to have with our loved ones and, and being with somebody and, or even having a dog and, and snuggling. 
my dog doesn't really care to snuggle with me, <laughs> but I'll grab him anyway. <laughs> I'm like, come here, buddy. <laughs> you know, this is, this, let me just share. This is what he does all day. Hold on. Right, what we're doing, we're seeing right now that dog laying on That's the couch. That's all he does. Paws are out. Belly's out. <laughs> yeah, belly's out. Exactly. So, um, I, think, I think there's a cat inside of that dog. Yeah. That he, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cat spirit, dog body. so i i'm i'm fortunate that you know in many ways and there is uh, a lot of worry i i worry about students i worry about society i worry about my neighborhood i worry about the elderly people in my community i worry about the autoimmune i have delivered toilet paper and wipes because i my mom told me two months ago about this because she pays attention to chinese news (laughs) and so i kind of blew her off then I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when I when when we got the school messages, I was like, oh, sh- mom's right, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So um, she's taking it all stride, and it sounds like everyone else here is doing that. I'm I'm so um, I think I want to close by saying that I really I'm I'm so glad to hear students say that their professors have been really great. And I knew that we work with great people and that we have a great community. And I think that it just emphasizes the uh, value that I have in the work that we do and how important we are, like you said, Jeff, as a space and a place. And even if the campus can't be there, you know, as a physical space, we're trying our best to create that for our students. And um, as long as we keep that in mind, you know, this too shall pass. I don't know when. I think that's the scariest part for me. Right. What is the end game? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I feel like as a sociologist, I'm really um, interested, maybe not the right word, maybe concerned with the, the social distancing, which is necessary for what we're doing. We should all practice that. But, you know, in our society, we've already practiced that to a degree, right? And, and there is an appropriate amount of space that you stay away from someone, and that has increased. And I wonder if we go back. I wonder if that clo- we close that distance one day um, in interpersonal communication and interpersonal relationships, or if this is going to be something that kind of stays because people are going to be um, impacted by the trauma that that this whole epi- this whole pandemic has has caused. And so, Rachel, I kind of think about that with communication, interpersonal communication, and social distancing you know, I'm talking about kind of negative things, but then there's this positive aspect where I feel like I'm connecting with people in new ways now because we're forced to get that interaction in ways that we thought were kind of supplemental before, but now they're essential. Absolutely. I definitely think things like Zoom um, and all of these other digital communication tools that we've been using to communicate with one another for are now much more central. You know, like I think for my discipline specifically, it's a very exciting time. Never before have we seen so many communicators communicating in so many different ways. It's like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) compare this person to compare that person. And oh, does this work better than this work? And immediately after, um, the colleges were starting to be impacted, a communication Facebook group opened up. And they're like, you know, there were over 700 com professors that are on this group now. Wow. Um, and they had to kind of close it off because it started to get so big. But what's beautiful is how they are sharing the ways in which we're using communication tools right at our fingertips to be able to help our students and to be able to help ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, it's really hilarious because I asked my students coming in, you know, what do we think about social media? What are your apprehensions about using social media? Okay, before before Corona, we had the statistic of 75% of U.S. businesses were going to be using Instagram in the year to come. Now, 100% of like businesses are more than likely turning to these exact tools that they have to be prepared and ready to use in order to participate in this, you know, connective world that we're, we're living in. But also, I feel um, humbled as a communicator who doesn't want to communicate. Um, I I find myself kind of reminiscing of those days when, um, you know, the 16-year-old boyfriend is calling on the telephone and my dad is kind of pissed and, like, he's like, no, she can't come to the phone right now. Like, people text and they're like, you know, can Anya come in Zoom and can, you know, Kobus come in Zoom? And I'm like, no, I have a Zoom meeting and you have a Zoom meeting and you have a Zoom meeting and, you know, somebody's dancing on Instagram. I'm trying to catch that for my movement of the day. It's just 
overwhelming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at times. So there, I feel like there's a balance and you do have to pick and choose what you're going to participate in. Knowing that there are options doesn't necessarily mean we have to embrace all of those options. Yeah. It just means we have the option to play. It's a new kind of art board in this communication age that we're in right now. Um, it's a lot of fun, but I think that for my students, what I've learned teaching online for 10 years is a little bit at a time. Yeah. You know, don't try to give them everything at once and say, now go play, because they don't know how to use all this stuff. There's a learning curve that goes with that. Here's one or two things at a time that I can introduce you to. I don't expect you to be an expert at it, but just take a bite-sized piece of it and maybe you might like it. And then all of a sudden I turn around and they're doing amazing things with it that I didn't know were even possible. So the times are changing in a direction I think a lot of people weren't necessarily wanting to embrace. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, you know, like, I've tried to really take this attitude of gratitude, which is, as a sociologist, you know, Sean, we look at time and place and the sociological imagination, which is our bread and butter concept is, you know, the human experience is, is rooted in and anchored in the structures that we live in. And Imagining that if this had happened, if coronavirus was 2007, when I first started at Miracosta, what technology was available then? We were on Blackboard. I don't know if Zoom existed. I don't know. You know, um, and so thinking about like being able to see each other's faces uh, as we're communicating and digitally having documents. Uh, what, that would not be possible in a different era. And, you know, we're we kind of poke fun at some of our colleagues who were like, I don't want to be on campus, so I'm going to have students email me. Okay, well, that's fine, too. It's better than, like, yeah. sending it in the mail and waiting right. for the post <laughs> office, you know, which is how some of the uh, the prison units uh, have distance learning, right? They, the teachers mail in their packets, and then they do their work and mail out the packets. We call it snail mail. So, my attitude of gratitude is like, okay, there's all these things we have to learn. There's all these technologies, but thank goodness we have them. Yeah. Thank goodness we have them because there's so many other, uh, you know, it would have been much harder in in a different era if, if, if this were the thing in 10, 15, 20 years ago. Remember we had pagers, you had to go to a payphone, watch something on television about a payphone in a documentary, and I'm thinking, gosh, I don't know if our students know what a payphone booth is. Right? <laughs> yeah, I just was going to, first of all, I'm, I've been rewatching The Wire, so I've been very accustomed to payphones and, and uh, you know, <laughs> um, No, burner phones, okay? Burner phones, well, pagers. <laughs> Depends what season, sure. Yeah. Um, Collect calls, but, remember that? Like, yeah. but, but the comment I was going to make, and it's along your lines of, of the attitude of gratitude, which I love, um, is, you know, I surveyed all of my students in part to see if they wanted to schedule a phone call and they could voice some concerns they have. But some of the questions I was asking in that survey were basically what resources do you have access to? Uh, internet, consistent internet at home, and a smartphone, laptop, tablet, and I'm happy to say that every single one of my students, and I teach a broad range of students, um, said they have internet and a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And that is fantastic because yeah. that was not true 10 years ago. It's still not true, of course, yeah. for some people. But we're in a place now where I think this transition is made a little easier because not only do students have those devices, but they're, again, more adept at using them than many of us are. And they can jump on a Zoom session. And this is fast forwarding this online learning exponentially, right? We are, yeah. we are being forced into this new modality that has some real perks to it. Now, clearly many of us, I think are also struggling with, you know, the transitional kind of process and, and many of the difficult things that there are to overcome or to work through. But uh, I want to echo what Casey was saying earlier, maybe it was Rachel with this silver linings that we're seeing we can really, I think, move into some uh, better learning opportunities with this online space that so many people were resisting for so long and are just not allowed to anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to just get used to this. I want to be back in that classroom with my students. I think all of us do. But uh, there's something to be said for us having to work this out in real time. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, these these technologies, they're going to they, they go both ways, right? I, I, 
I, I agree. It, it was amazing to see my students for the first time in Zoom. That was a great way to reconnect. I was impressed with uh, uh, the circumstances we found ourselves in right after spring break where we're meeting like, like during flex week, like seeing familiar faces, hearing good advice and connecting again as, as colleagues. But I'll tell you what, I've never been this busy. I mean, yeah. from, right? uh, no spring break, there was no spring break. It was the second we left that Friday, I've just not stopped working. That's and those right. of us who already teach online, we know this is true. You have an online class, there are no boundaries on that class. You could be on email all day, you could be grading all day, you could be prepping all day, you could be designing all day. And so this is that, that yeah, so what we said earlier about, I'm, I'm glad, Jeff, you said your sewing machine was sort of in a box or in a closet, sounds like. So. <laughs> it was. This was ours too. We've had this sewing machine forever and uh, never took it out. Um, and it was, and I'll tell you what, I was anxious when we first got it out because number one, we had a job. I got to make these masks or we're going to, we can't go to the store and you know, right. So I got to learn this thing. I don't know how to learn, but there was a moment where, because my daughter sews, she could show me how to do it. And it was this beautiful moment of connecting, right? It was this, my, my 16 year old daughter who's busy and has her stuff she'd rather be doing, uh, sitting down with me. And her teaching me something, which is awesome. And then now me having an access to a hobby that, that often takes her away from us to her room uh, is even cooler. So there, there are, yeah, it's a, it's a wash right now. It's a huge mix of stress, beautiful moments. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, so cool. Yeah, and, and I, I think to go back to what Tao was saying, I do remind the students that this is a really significant moment in history, right? We will look back and, and people will look back, they'll have documentaries about this time, there'll be movies about this time, it'll be in textbooks as the great pandemic of 2020, right? There's, there's all of this, but we're living it now. And, and you know, in sociology, it's this practice of like taking yourself out of that moment and kind of seeing it from the outside and, and how significant and how important it is. And it kind of goes to what Jeff was talking about as this is kind of a catalyst for completing this paradigm shift to embracing technology, online learning, and, and doing things in, in a remote fashion. But while not totally saying we're going to leave what we did before, right. but this really tests our capability to do things in, in a different way. So I, I kind of want to conclude by just asking y'all, you know, I know that in your disciplines, in your respective disciplines, you may think about this in different ways. And so with like human communication, with um, society and with religion and with, with um, you know, uh, body and movement and, and, and kinesiology, what are some of those things that you think are really significant about this moment? And I guess we could start with Rachel. I think the level of information that is like being transmitted and also the interpretation of those messages right now cannot be discounted. Mm. I think that um, we, have ha we have so much information at our hands that now is the moment for us to be real critical thinkers and to think very practically about how we take this knowledge and use this knowledge and apply this knowledge, whether it's to be mindful of what we're doing in the house, whether it's to be respectful of those when we go out of the house, um, those who pay attention to the information, I think are going to have the most opportunity to grow from this moment. Thank you. Casey? Um, what comes to mind is that we're all building a tremendous amount of resilience because none of us have experienced something so impactful in our lives. The, the last major pandemic was 1918, 1920, the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. So there's a, you know, a few centarians on the planet that were boring during that time. Um, and what's interesting is those centarians, there's these blue zones where uh, National Geographic has researched the areas around the world where people have lived the longest. And, and one of those attributes is they're resilient and, um, and they do some of these things that everyone has talked about in this podcast is they're connecting with others and the way we connect might look a little bit differently, but I think making sure we're still calling our family members, doing FaceTime and these virtual chats and just, you know, physically distancing ourselves, but not socially distancing ourselves and in making sure we're building up the, the members of our community by doing that and that just reminding everyone we're all in it together and 
you know, strengthening ourselves so we can strengthen our community and, and build that resilience. Thank you. Maybe, maybe Jeff? Yeah. So before we even started this podcast, a couple of us were joking beforehand as we were just chatting about uh, my, my view on the world and life as life is suffering. Uh, this is not my view. This comes from many different religious and philosophical thinkers uh, over thousands of years. But I think there's something to that and maybe a lesson that we can learn in this time right now that uh, many religious and ethical perspectives in life come from that view that many people, all people, suffer in this world. Uh, this is a, a difficult place to live and uh, for many people in the world, more difficult than many of us in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So understanding in a very real way, in a very kind of uh, tangible way that people are suffering in, in such deep ways right now, we can think about how we can respond to that suffering um, to ourselves to make sure that we can get through it and we take care of ourselves. And that we're treating others with empathy, compassion, love, forgiveness, this idea that the world is going through something unprecedented, or at least it's been a hundred years unprecedented in our lifetimes, that um, we have this opportunity to learn what we have learned from our faith communities, from our own cultural communities, and we put it out there in the world. It's, it's kind of easy for some of us to talk that talk and to, to talk about empathy and, and love and compassion and forgiveness. But this is a time where we can put it into practice. And I think there are some beautiful examples in these religious communities around the world that are stepping up and that are, are responding to this call uh, to action in ways that is sometimes inaction, right? The best thing is to stay at home, is to, to follow uh, you know, the CDC's recommendations. And that's hard for a lot of people. It's painful. We don't have those, those typical routines and human to human contact that we typically rely upon. So, um, you know, we have this opportunity to respond in a way that is the best of us. So represents the best of us. And I'm seeing it throughout stories around the world and I would love to, to continue to see that. So stay well, friends. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you. And Tao? Wow. I mean, those were all uh, such beautiful sentiments. I um, also want to echo the notion of suffering and tragedy and hard times. Um, and back to what you said, Casey, the, the resilience of the human spirit, right? And I think that all of us have that capability. I, I, I know that some are not going to come out of this well. We're talking about matters of life and death. Yeah. And um, yet also... The, the, the power of like, of, of uh, uh, anticipating what can come from this, right? For me, what keeps me going is this, these, like, these, just this, the hope and the optimism of that this will pass one day. We don't know when, we don't know how, how we're, we're going to push through and there's going to be hiccups and, and struggles. And yet in my mind, I'm always like, I cannot wait for that day. So I can <laughs> hug somebody, hug you all, see students' faces, um, just see my mom, you know, and like, okay, you were right, mom. You know, and like <laughs> travel to see her, not be afraid to get on a plane, not I think I think we're gonna come out of this with a celebration of um the things that we took for granted um as 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 human beings touch, feel, proximity, connection that's physical, um, and the value of that. And we're maintaining it as best we can in the, the media that we have. Um, and yet I don't think we'll ever, ever go to those fears that people have that, oh, we're just going to all be online and we're going to disconnect and everything's impersonal. I think we all crave that in some way. Um, so, you know, to close out this notion of like self-care and how we take care of ourselves and how we take care of our students and our families and our communities and our society is that I think a lot of us are, are, are doing that with the motivation and inspiration that, that we're going to get to a better day. Um, so yeah, I can't, I don't know when it'll be, but I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all share that. Yeah. Amen. Well, I just want to thank everybody for being on. Yeah. Appreciate it taking this time. I, I feel like this is part of my self care right here is getting to connect with y'all. It's been a while. Miss you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Miss y'all too. Well, be safe. Be well, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. 
This episode was produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia created the show notes and manages our social media. Episodes of the Safe Topics podcast are now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please download and subscribe. Thank you for listening. 